Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school. With your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Today, we are so lucky to have a listener who reached out to share his experience. And today we're talking to Floyd. So Floyd, I am so honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you getting me on the show and let me tell my story. Yeah. And you were mentioning before that, you know, you wanted to reiterate to listeners that this is your personal experience, but I think it's so important to consider these things because you your experience I think resonates with a lot of people and as they listen I think they'll see bits of uh, of their own experience in what you share yeah I'm just um my main priority with it is to pretty much paint a picture for people who may not experience um what it is like living and growing up with ADHD, medicated, unmedicated, going throughout the school system, and just to try to positively influence not only the ones that have ADHD, um, but also um, shed light for the parents and teachers and um, the society, the surrounding that may not know too much. So that's, it's super important to give that sort of empathy opportunity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you were sharing with me, yeah, that, um, you know, in school was when you were first diagnosed. What, what was your school experience like? Um, well, when I was medicated, um, it was a lot better. Um, there was always, always hit and misses. Um, especially if I accidentally missed um, a dose. Um, sometimes that would cause issues or if um, it was lingering out of my system towards the end of the day could potentially cause issues. Um, I'm talking more, more so in elementary school, at an elementary school level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're saying it would cause issues, would your brain just have a hard time focusing? Would you be off track? What did that feel like and look like for you? Well, for me, what would happen is I would have a very short attention span, um, which would cause me to get into a lot of issues in the classroom, obviously. Um, I would try to focus. I try my hardest to focus. Um, but if things didn't pique my interest, it was very, very easy for me to simply get distracted by the slightest sound. I hyper-concentrate um, with my ears, the audio, um, when I tend to get bored. Um, so again, in a classroom setting, um, if the subject matter wasn't really that appealing, it was 
a lot more difficult for myself to be as engaged. Um, there was other issues as far as um, disagreeing with authority, um, mm -hmm. for sure, in elementary school. Now, again, this is um, more so unmedicated if I missed a dose, um, but authority figures were an issue, and I grew up to understand that I was tone sensitive, um, and I still am. It is the way things are stated to me, um, because with ADHD for myself, my symptoms is my mood can switch extremely, extremely, extremely fast. I could be laugh, laughing one second and then just be extremely pissed off the next. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was that was a little bit of an issue um, because they would maybe say something in a certain way to me that I didn't really like or even say yard duties. They would say, you need to go pick that up, you know, and it'd be automatically right there, that tone, um, mm -hmm. going to pick something up that I threw on the ground was proper. Yes. What they told me to do, they were in, um, turn, you know, it was all in their power to do so. They needed to tell me to do that, but it was a tone, um, that flipped my mood and, um, being diagnosed age seven in second grade with both ADHD and ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder, um, mm -hmm. it created um, always a hassle, you know. The tone that people would speak to me in, um, it always, it would always um, reflect my mood or I would always have my mood set after hearing something. Sure. It makes sense. Well, in, in your example of just picking something up, you could, there's a million ways to achieve the same result without taking a kid head on, you know? So, yeah. Um, th there'd be one thing too, um, that I realized as I was smaller, people started to use a little bit of psychology with me <clears throat> when I would okay. um, become upset and they would, um, instead of, speaking to me directly face to face, they would, they'd more so stand next to me side by side and be talking at the same angle that I'm talking, knowing that you can have a fully engaged conversation side by side. Um, whereas um, a direct front to front conversation, there's, already a little bit of a, could be a bad, bad vibe if you're speaking to a principal or a authority figure. Sure. So it sounds like that was a way that they sort of modified the discussion and still held you accountable, but in a way that helped you improve how you did things without fighting with you. Exactly. And they, and what that did for me um, as a child, it, honestly, it really helped me. So if there were to be anybody out there, um, if someone 
with ADHD. Um, and you notice that their temperature or the temper is, you know, getting up there and you want to discuss with them um, just to understand that you, you don't necessarily, you can be mad, um, but to watch your tone would be the wisest. And also if you wanted to really discuss something to talk side by side, um, there's plenty of situations where for myself personally, I completely just, I flip the table, you know, I just, I hit the ceiling. Um, and mm -hmm. there's just, there's no way that um, I want to talk to anybody. Um, it's known shutting down. I don't want to talk, you know, now I feel like I'm an, a dog, a little pit bull in the corner. You know, if someone's trying to approach me or continuously, um, you know, try to, discuss what I did wrong or something so but it was effective for me was to um, you know take a step outside and to cool down um, which was one of the accommodations that was in my 504 so yeah so yeah and that's a perfect segue because you were sharing with me when we were um, when you reached out about the show you said you know you felt like the 504 was almost like protective for you. And just for listeners, a 504 plan is just basically when we recognize that a student has some needs that might need to be addressed in the classroom um, that impact education, then we find methods to do that through a 504 plan if, um, if they don't need specialized instruction like an IEP would give. So um, you had a 504 plan with some accommodations. Um, how did that change the way the teachers supported you? Well, I want to remind the, um, the listeners uh, the 504 plan went in place. That is, that's law, that um, there's no getting around it. So mm -hmm. by law, the teacher, if it's in place, has got to abide by all the accommodations for the student that has that 504 plan, no matter what. It is illegal not to do so. Um, and I was disclosed that um, probably a year or so into having it, which played in my advantage when um, I would become too upset in a classroom, needed to cool off, um, mm -hmm. needed to go speak to my counselor, I would raise my hand and I would say, hey, you know, I need to go speak to my counselor. And if they said no, I want to let all the people listening know, any students listening know that have 504, if, it's, if a teacher tells you no, um, that it's one, it's against the law, two, you, it'd be against the law, excuse me, it'd be against the law if they did not abide by it after stating it's a part of my 504 plan. I'd like to be excused from the classroom. Um, mm -hmm. Again, this is more so for when I was in school um, back when um, before the pandemic. That makes sense. And I think, um, you know, there is there's the legal obligation. Absolutely. And there's also there's some flexibility in terms of like, Hey, can you stay for 30 seconds so I can finish directions and then go like, it's not, 
hard, fast right now, you know, you call the shots, there is some dynamic flexibility in that, but you're absolutely right. Like if I have a student on an IEP or a 504 who has an accommodation to self-elect to take a break or to um, speak to someone or use any number of coping strategies, I can't deny them that because it would be like saying to a person with diabetes, like, no, you can't have your insulin. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not right. Yep. That's it. That is exactly right. Um, Because I would say, you know, not all disabilities can be seen. So we can't, um, we can't deny a person um, one that's recognized and diagnosed um, if the district is openly providing accommodations um, and by law that they have to follow. They would have never provided accommodations for people with this mental illness if otherwise. Right. I mean, and you can see it in brain scans too. So it's not just, you know, some fluffy way. I think, and that really gets me to my next question for you is you've had a couple teachers that have said, you know, oh, you're faking it or, oh, this isn't real. Or, you know, I've had teachers tell me like, I'm not doing that for a student that we share because he's faking his ADD. Like, do you have strategies for dealing with that or advice for the, the teachers who just refuse to believe in it? Um, again, I just say that, you know, if, if you know a person's asthmatic and they aren't breathing, you're, you wouldn't yell at them to breathe. Um, if a person has ADHD and he's having trouble focusing, you can't yell at them to focus. Uh, I'd like to say that ADHD, it comes with a lot of other diagnosis that can in fact come with the mental illness itself. Depression being on um, highest on the list there. Um, So that being said, I'm not saying everybody that has ADHD, but Um, I would say quite a few do have depression or have had symptoms of depression. ADHD is a neurological illness where our brain, it doesn't produce the right amount of dopamine and norepinephrine and serotonin as a normal person. Um, Dopamine... um, for those who don't know, it's pretty much the um, chemical in the brain that it allows you to feel pleasure, joy, and happiness. Um, norepinephrine, for those who don't know, is um, the flight or fight response. So either we are way too, way too hyper or we, we appear very slow sluggish like we're just not doing anything we don't feel like doing anything that's like that shut down there um mm-hmm. just has to do with sleep emotions and just a whole bunch there's a whole bunch of emotional um whole bunch of a emotional kind of distress there that comes with adhd um so that being said there are several ways 
to cope there, um, which I would say the healthiest of them um, without pharmaceuticals would to be for sure to exercise. Um, I'd say exercise is one of the most important things that we can do because it naturally releases dopamines and norepinephrine um, without the need of anything else. Our body naturally makes that. Um, so we don't need to search for that there. We could run for that. We can lift weights. We could do other things, utilize our muscles every day. Um, I would say that as far as any depression coping mechanisms that people may feel, I would say for myself personally, um, if I get to that point there, I like <laughs> what... I researched and found out it's called a 007 shower, which is just a regular shower, but at the last three minutes, you got to cut that water tap cold and you stand in there. And what it does <laughs> is it, 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 yeah, it shocks your body. It shocks your body and it makes it so that um, you're concentrated on the present. You're not thinking about the past, you're not thinking about the future. You are concentrating on what is going on right there and then. It takes away all your worries there for those three minutes. And then when you get out, upon coming out, you feel so refreshed. You guys would be amazed if uh, you've never given that a shot. I'd give it a shot because it's, it's actually refreshing every once in a while there. Um, you know, Floyd, I think I might try that. That's really interesting. <laughs> and that's, that's super interesting, too, because I'm reading a book right now about dopamine and about how we need to also balance our here and now chemicals, which is what you're talking about with the serotonin and norepinephrine and um, the whole cocktail of focused juice in our brains. And that, you know, dopamine's so focused on the future that it, once you get what you were striving for, dopamine's like, nah, I have it now. I don't want it. And so that's so interesting that if you can kind of get yourself into the here and now through a sensory experience like that, like you're describing, I wonder how that impacts the dopamine feedback. I'm totally going to look into that. <laughs> all right. All right. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. The, another thing, um, you know, you'd asked a question about the, um, what can you say to the parents and the teachers, uh, for those who right. have, have kids, uh, go back to that question. Cause I just thought of something, a uh, personal experience I'll share is, um, being diagnosed age seven, um, it'll be real. I'll try to keep it very, very short story. It's a long story, but um, there's a total of three different medications that I went through. I'm not going to list them. It's not. It's not that important there. Um, the dosages on all three were different. Obviously, those three different medications were at different periods of my life. After a couple mm -hmm. years, we noticed that there was significant um, uh, just bad things that would um, manifest after taking one certain prescription after a certain time. So um, we'd say, you know, maybe this one isn't the right one and he's just not feeling right. And he's staying up late and he just can't go to sleep ever and he complained. So then they'd try another one. Um, and all the while, 
Now I got to consider that I'm in school. So if you have a student with ADHD that um, he may be speaking to a psychiatrist, you got to keep in mind that they too, just like myself, may be trying multiple medications, trying to figure out which one works the best for them because what the medication prescribed, it's a stimulant. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's a stimulant. We could say that a controlled substance and mm -hmm. it slows our brain down. Um, however, um, because each person with ADHD's brain works differently, they, um, they react differently to d certain medications. So it took me three different medications to figure out which one was right for me. It took me, after that, um, I increased dosage, increased dosage, increased dosage, because what happens is with our brain, in my opinion, for ADHD brains, in my opinion, is that um, we metabolize and we gain tolerance at a higher rate than a normal brain. I'm not saying there is addiction. I am saying that just naturally our brain understands things ingested and upon time it develops, you know, just, oh, you know, oh, I, I've had this before. I've had this before. I've had this. Before. So. Yeah. Um, you're describing kind of like that, that yeah, desensitization. Um, exactly. And so with that being said, um, Sad to say there, until age 15, I was on medication. So there was not one day that I went without medication. It was really good because the medication was positive there for me mm -hmm. um, because it was very, very beneficial as far as focus, as far as my um, academics and concentrating and being um, polite and um, not to say I was rude, but... Um, obedient there to authoritative mm -hmm. figures um as was in my system um but with that being said again with each medication it felt for me in my brain it felt like i was going into kind of a different reality there um it's hard to describe um because again with the first two medications obviously they weren't um they weren't very effective and they had too many side effects for myself. It wasn't there. So there was a period, there's a long period of time where I wasn't feeling right. You know, a very long time. I wasn't feeling right. I was still doing work, getting work done. It just wasn't, you know, I wasn't performing at what I could have been when I found the mm -hmm. right dosage and that right medication. So there's a lot of trial and error. In other words, a lot of trial and error, error, a lot of frustration. It's a lot of time and patience. And it's not only on the teacher, it's on the parents and the doctors and the family and the surrounding community that may be affected by the actions of the person with ADHD. So, sure, well, and the person himself. I mean, think about, we're not talking like, oh, I took a Tylenol and that didn't work. So I'm going to take an Advil in a couple hours. We're talking weeks of yeah. figuring out and seeing when it kicks into exactly. your system and then having to make an appointment with very busy doctors. And, you know, I'll throw in too to uh, like support your point. 
is because the of the classification of a lot of these drugs, they're considered to be highly controlled. And so you can't just have it refilled. You have to go pick up a paper prescription most of the time, which for some of our families with transportation difficulties is just one more impediment. And so then their poor kids, you know, I have a have latency between doses because of financial issues that they can't control. And it's just it's multifaceted. So it's important for teachers to remember that when what you're saying, when they when they know that a kid is exploring the right medication, it is so impactful. I mean, they may not even be sleeping at home. So um, I'm so glad you're bringing that There's so many, there's so many um, side effects, you know, Mm -hmm. upon taking it, you know, um, even for myself now, you know, you wake up in the morning, you take your medication and it allows you to um, be a lot more motivated and, you know, just um, get, be accomplished with things. Um, allows mm-hmm. you to focus, slow down, and think about the next step. Think about what you need to do. Um, highest priority to lowest priority. Um, cleaning, doing whatever you need to do to make yourself feel good. How do you see ADHD impacting your life today? Just motivation-wise, um, mood-wise, for sure. It impacts me because medication that I take, it has side effects such as lack of appetite, which if a person takes it, they are medicated and they're completely focused, concentrated, and they're able to um, function as a human and do the basic things. If it's not effective, uh, they just kind of fall into a cycle where just nothing gets done. Girl saying that there was multiple medications that I had to try to find the right one, that there were always side effects to the medications that um, in fact caused me to go through different moods. Um, The medications in my eyes again, in my perspective, they were different realities and each different medication. It felt me, each one made me feel different. My brain understood them. Each of them made me calm down, but they made me calm down in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And so they would take so long for them to be effective that as I'm waiting as a kid, you know, oh, just take it where you have to at least take it for a whole month or so. As I'm waiting, I'm still experiencing um, the nausea um, as I'm on the medication or the severe lack of appetite, which again, changes my mood there. And then with that nausea and lack of appetite um, mentioned, it really sucks, and I still experience it today. I have to be really, really mindful of eating before I take my medication um, in the morning. That way, I could at least have something in my stomach. Because what happens for me a lot of times is I just completely forget, and I get to that point where I'm lack of appetite, and then it tricks my brain into becoming in a confused state of 
trying to figure out whether it's that I'm nauseated because my stomach doesn't feel right or my appetite's gone and I'm hungry. And every single day that's a struggle because if you think about, you know, throwing up, you don't ever want to throw up. So um, you're a little cautious there of what you put in your stomach at that point when that point happens in the day, which could be, you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And then so you say, you know, Hey, forget it. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just try to eat in the night and you get into a pattern of only eating two times a day. So uh, teachers in the classroom are anywhere there. They, They don't really necessarily see side effects of what the, person with ADHD has to go through mentally and let alone at home. You are saying for those who don't believe, it could very well be that the parent believes, but the teacher doesn't. And so Mm. then it's like, how do you get the teacher to believe? Or it could be the teacher believes, but the parent does, does not. And the teacher then can't diagnosed because the teacher is not a doctor so they get stuck in an awkward position Absolutely, and they don't know how to help out they don't know they can't say hey I'll get accommodations for you you know they can't their their hands are behind their back and they could mm-hmm. only do the best that they can um, I can see why they get frustrated and again if it's not diagnosed and it's not said then one can't assume so one can only, you know, do research to know that, in my opinion, upon taking the job of working in a public, you know that there will be people coming into your place that may suffer mental illness regardless of age. And that if you're in your eight-hour suit or clothes, that you should be Lightful and that you know customer is always right or you should always try to be helpful so it's again it's too bad that sometimes um even when recognized that sometimes i feel like people are less less relaxed um and not as helpful as they could be yeah and just not what i'm hearing you remind people too is just use some dang empathy like imagine what it would be like to be going through this when you're seven or eight you know yeah or 28 or 38 it doesn't matter we all need we need that empathetic understanding from each other so you were explaining you've you've been on a quest to be in that self-regulated state of being able to focus but not being too hyper you know having control, like a healthy relationship with your brain. And sometimes that that has meant um, using some of the prescriptions that um, doctors have recommended. And sometimes it's meant trying some not so legal stuff. What, and you don't need to disclose what you have tried, obviously, but um, what do people on the outside need to understand about brains that are seeking that calm balance? So what I can let you know is that, as I had stated, that our brain lacks three chemicals or the levels are significantly lower 
And those people that have ADHD, the normal people, and those three chemicals being dopamine, the norepinephrine, and the serotonin, personally, I was introduced to medication second grade. And what happened was in high school, <clears throat> I wanted to get off it because um, I wanted to fit in. Nobody else was needing to take some medication to fit into the social norm. And, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted to do it by my, myself. So that's what I did. I hopped off my medication there. Um, and upon hopping off my medication, it was only a couple months after that, that I had my first fist fight right there sign of you know lack of that norepinephrine that fight or fight i may have been searching for a little dopamine got you know hyping just mm -hmm. shortly after that you know i had a group of friends you know it's high school but i was even more influenced because american culture was hey drink a beer drink a beer manly 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 you know i watched all my um, friends, older brothers drinking, and, you know, a couple people around me drinking. My mother and father did not drink around me. Grandparents every once in a while, but um, decided, you know, I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to drink in life. So I started to drink. And what I found, and again, I don't condone it, I don't, I'm not saying try it for those youth, everybody younger, um, under 21 listening. But I tried it, and upon trying it, I realized it calmed me down. And that was a twin-edged sword. Because mm -hmm. growing up older as an adult, I realized that it calms me down. Um, it is a form of self-medication for my brain, because what it does is it increases dopamine. However, it also sedates me a lot. Um, which I enjoy that sedation feeling. Um, mm -hmm. But there is there's a level, and that in moderation, you can become balanced. But if I have just a little bit too much, I become impulsive. So that was the twin-edged sword, that if I hit in moderation, completely, completely focused, I would almost argue more so than the medication, honestly. Mm -hmm. I hate to put it out there. And again, for the people younger listening, I don't recommend and I'm not saying to drink. I'm saying to take your medication if prescribed and as prescribed. I found that um, in moderation, it had more sedative and more focusing effects. So I started to drink, and that got me into some issues because of my impulsivity with it. That was an issue. When I was in my early 20s, I kind of had an epiphany that I was diagnosed and I was given these pharmaceutical drugs that it was a tool. I'm not going to say a crutch. That would be a bad term, but right. they were a tool. They're, they are not a cure. And ADHD is forever. You diagnosed, that's forever. That's a neurological, that's in your brain, that's forever. Um, so, and I'm not saying people take their medication forever, 
I'm just saying that they will experience symptoms and they have a brain. They're of a person of ADHD. I had an epiphany that I was given pharmaceuticals and it was a tool. And when I got off that tool, my brain automatically, without me even knowing it, it automatically was in search of that dopamine, of that norepinephrine, of the sort everything that I was missing in my brain, I started to search out for. I became more riskier. I started to have more outbursts. You know, I started to That's so fascinating. Yeah. So I think that brings me to the next thing I was wondering, you know, if alcohol was helpful, but there was that tipping point. It yeah. sounds like you recognized, nope, my brain sought out what it needed, but this isn't the right way. So- yeah. And again, to listeners, that overall alcohol, if you've ever had it and you're disagreeing with my statement, maybe you're thinking you should try it. Well, I'll let you know, this 29-year-old that is a seasoned drinker, um, it will start, and I'm not saying it's started on me, I'm okay, but it will start to tear up your throat, it will start to tear up your, the insides of your stomach, all the way through, all the way down. It will also hurt your liver. So if your stomach is so torn up, or your throat is just so raw from drinking, you're not going to want to eat you know, and just, it's just unhealthy. It's an unhealthier way to try to medicate your brain. Um, and that's why, again, I was more influencing um, just the physical energy just to run, you know, um, even for the teachers, if they have a student in there and they come in and they're just in a set mood or something, maybe just say, hey, hey you know, if I let you go run a couple laps, you come back, will you be back in in 10 minutes or in five minutes? You know, maybe that's healthy for them because that gets their heart rate up, right? And when their heart right. rate well, goes up, huh? Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but think about like the, the self, like the ownership of their brain that you're teaching them. Like, hey, do you feel how you're squirrely? Go take a run. It's going to help you calm down. And then you're giving them a toolbox rather than saying like, you need to calm down. Well, you know, like you're helping them solve their own problems so that maybe in the future they won't have to be seeking chemical support. Yep, that's it, that's it. I'm sorry that you went through that and I'm so thankful though that you're willing to share with everybody because I feel like um, this is one of the best shows I've recorded. So thank you, Floyd. I'm, I'm, super honored that you're willing to be so honest and give such good advice and feedback. I Um, appreciate it. Thank you. I really like to enjoy listening to the show and I really like being on it. And again, I thank you for inviting me to be on it. Oh, for sure. Um, Before we close out, my dear, do you have anything that you're still wondering about or strategies that you're still seeking? Um. For myself personally, um, I am seeking out ways to combat boredom when 
there's a lack of medication or it's not in my system or I've missed a dose. Boredom for anyone with ADHD, it's, it's kind of a bad thing. It's really a bad thing. We may get in trouble. I'm not saying we always do, but we can get into trouble when we are bored. Um, we look for things. So a way to combat boredom, to be more productive, ways to be mo- more motivated without need or usage of the medication, learning how to function, function just a little bit better without the medication. Um, it sounds like your self-awareness is spot on, which is so powerful because that's the only spot we can start ever. And I think um, we're all works in progress. So there's always going to be something that we're like, hey, I think I could do that better. And in terms of the boredom, man, that resonates right now because so many of us are bored with the COVID stuff. So a suggestion I would have just off the bat, if you're open to it and you can try it or not, it is your choice, but is to make a list of things that you would want to research or if you had time that you would want to do or um, like maybe download a couple podcasts or shows that you want to look at. And then only allow yourself to get to those things when you're feeling bored so that they have some like magic and appeal, you know? My gosh. Um, have- yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good idea. I've never considered that. Just kind of yeah, like a, have- um, to watch video on YouTube or something like that. Just kind of, right. uh, okay. That's a good idea. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to have to do and, that. And then when you, you know, when you're feeling like, down I mean even that like if you keep it special if it's not something you do every every day it will help get that little dopamine boost and then get your brain back on track another thing that I learned that is super crazy helpful is when you're feeling like you have a big job to do and you're dreading it (laughs) like today we're cleaning the garage and I can tell you we have both been dreading it to kind of prime your brain for bigger jobs is to do quick jobs that you know you can finish within five, 10 minutes. And that helps you close that feedback loop that you were talking about in your brain in terms of finishing something that gives you a a whole cocktail of brain focused juice to help feel accomplished. And then that helps you then get the ball rolling, kind of like starting a snowball to be able to tackle bigger things. So that's worth a shot. All right. Heck yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. I appreciate well, I it. Hope... I'm going to give both of those a shot. So. Yeah. And let me know how they go. And then hopefully we can stay in contact as you listen to the show and as you go on um, to your amazing career, which I am super excited for you and um, very thankful for people like you who have that empathy because you've walked the path and you're willing to take your experiences and help others which is amazing cool thank you thank you i appreciate it that's cool yeah cool, cool. well thank you again floyd for being on the show i i really am a little bit speechless i'm gonna have to process this in my brain for a bit because it was incredibly powerful and i am so excited for our listeners to hear your story cool. and your recommendations Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll be listening more to your show. It's all good. That's cool. 
Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesti.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families. 